Welcome back. How are you guys doing this morning? Yeah, man, that was some awesome worship. Thank you, worship team. I appreciate that. Welcome back to our series called Relatable. Relatable. Now, this is a series that we are seeking to discover what it means or what how we have meaningful, full, and um, significant relationships in our lives. What does that look like and how do we do that. Now last week we opened up and we looked in Ephesians chapter 4 and we saw a guy by the name of Paul who wrote a letter to some people. Now some of you probably noticed we didn't actually read a specific passage of scripture last week. Some of you called me out on it. And there's a reason for that because it was really weird that Paul drops in on our passage and he says, therefore, which means there was a whole argument that had been taking place in the chapter. And I was like, well, all I'm going to do is read one word and then we're going to be going on. So I didn't read the one word last week. But um, therefore is what he started with. And then he made an argument about relationships. In fact, we said it this way last week. We summed up his entire argument with this. We said, my ability to relate to others is directly related to my ability to relate with God. Now, if you missed last week, we unpacked that statement and we came at it um, from every which way. And so I'm going to highly encourage you, go back, go on our website, estrella.church, and find past messages. And it's already up. It got put up the day of last week. That's how awesome our video guy is. Um, and so go back, check that out, because today we're going to continue on. Because Paul says, once you got that piece in place, I'm going to give you some keys to having great relationships in your life. I'm going to give you some keys that will make you relatable. In other words, able to have those meaningful, full, and significant relationships. And today we're going to see the first one. It's a skill that really all of us need to learn. And if we'll learn this skill, we will be able to have full and significant relationships. If we fail to learn this skill that Paul talks about today, we will never have a full and significant, meaningful relationship in our lives. We'll run away from all of them. So let's read it together. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 25 through 27, and it starts with, therefore, all right? Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let's pray. God, there are some massive truths that Paul just drops right here about what's important in our lives as we begin to build meaningful and significant relationships around us. Whether that's with our spouses or with our kids or with our parents, uh, God, or with our peers. Pray that you would help us to apply these words into our daily lives. It's in your precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Anger. Anger. It's a big deal, right? In fact, the Greek audience that Paul was writing to, they understood that anger was like the greatest of all of the emotions. It was the greatest of all of the passions that we have inside of our lives. In fact, they understood that anger could not only be expressed in our actions, but it could also be expressed in our words, right? There's not only that 
physical intimidation that anger can bring about, but there's also that psychological intimidation that can happen when anger shows up inside of our lives. I don't think you'd be surprised by this, but today, one out of five people, so one in five people deals with anger problems. Whether that's that they um, have to seek counseling for that, or even more significantly, that also includes the people who've gone to court because of the anger issues in their lives. This past week, there was a college campus on the other side of our coast, and a young man walked on to that campus with a gun and began to shoot at his fellow students. Why does that happen? Because of deep-seated anger that was in his life. So I don't think I need to spend a lot of time telling you that anger can be dangerous. That anger can be bad. So the question becomes for us as Jesus followers, are we just never supposed to get angry? Is that what we're supposed to do? Is that even a possibility in our world to to live in such a way as to never get angry? But that's not what Paul just said. Paul said, be angry, but don't sin. You see, Paul understood something, and and God understands this too, and that is that as people, conflict is going to happen. Conflict is going to happen. In fact, um, James. James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he wrote a book that happens to be by his own name called James, and it's about all the things he learned about being a Jesus follower, and he says this in chapter 4 of his book. It says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? And he answers it. He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? see, Paul and James both understood that anger and conflict happens. Here's why conflict happens. Conflict always happens when we look to someone to be something that they were never meant to be. Conflict always happens when we look to someone to be something that they were never meant to be. Now, my wife just walked in the room, so I have to be real careful about what I'm about to say, but my wife was never meant to be my maid, right? And if I begin to put an expectation on my wife that she is my maid, let me just tell you, conflict will happen in my home. I have some good friends. Where's Gabby and Carlos. Gabby and Carlos, will you come up here for a second? Give them a round of applause. They're going to come be some um, models for me for a second. Now, Gabby and Carlos, not all of you know them or have met them, but they just got married a few months ago, right? Now, Carlos, I am sure that in the few short months that you guys have been married, you have never treated Gabby as your maid, expecting for her to pick up after you or clean after you or any of those sort of things. Very good man. He's already much smarter than I was, all right, and continues to be much smarter than I am. But see, here's what happens. Conflict, conflict stems from hurt, right? We get hurt, and when we get hurt, something happens in our life. 
that hurt begins to turn into anger. And when we get angry, we begin to have an offense against somebody else. And so if Carlos had done that sort of a thing to Gabby, she would now have an offense against Carlos. Now, exactly, yes. That's to beat him up with, right, afterwards. But Carlos, here's what happens. We do offenses as guys. Well, it's really easy for us to to do something that is offensive. Sometimes we just say something, guys. We just say something because we don't think about what it is that we're saying. For example, this didn't really happen. We're just making something up in Carlos's world. Carlos is great and amazing. But this morning they got up and Carlos looked at Gabby and said, is that what you're going to wear? All of a sudden, Gabby is hurt. Gabby gets angry about what it is that Carlos has just said. And now she has another offense. But listen, it's not just the things that we say that cause offenses. It's also the things that we don't do. Yeah, the things that we don't do. Now, in Gabby's house, birthdays are huge. Her dad had a special song for her that he would sing every birthday whenever she first got up. And mom would make pancakes for her birthday. Now, it's getting ready to be your guys' first birthday together. You just got married on stuff. And so Carlos is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take Gabby to her favorite restaurant. Gabby, what's your favorite restaurant? Cheesecake Factory. Mm, That's good stuff. And Carlos, being a great husband, knows that Cheesecake Factory is her favorite. And so Carlos thinks, you know what will be great for her birthday? I'll take her out to Cheesecake Factory. Because in Carlos's family, there were six kids. There was no money to do all these special things. So he was like, this will really show her that I love her. I'll take her to this special thing. And so that morning, Carlos gets up and he gives Gabby a kiss and he walks out the door and Gabby's like, where's my song? Where's my pancakes? And Carlos didn't do something. He didn't know that he was supposed to do something, but he didn't do it. And all of a sudden, Gabby's hurt. But guys, ladies, us guys are not the only ones that cause offenses, right? Carlos, you work hard for your money, right? Yeah. Carlos does everything he can to bring in and to make a stable home and to pay all of the bills and to take care of everything. And he's doing the budget he's watching all the dollars, and in walks Gabby with her favorite pastime, shoe shopping. (laughs) Carlos didn't budget for shoe shopping. She bought new shoes last month. Why does she need new shoes this month? It's because it goes with your outfit. I understand. Yeah. I've I've had this conversation with my wife. I've been well trained on this. But Carlos doesn't know that. He just thinks, you know what, I'm working so hard to get ahead on all of these things. And she just doesn't understand. And all of a sudden, Carlos has an offense 
He's holding on to something. Now there's some words that if you want to be a professional fence builder, there are some things that you can say. By the way, the more intimate the relationship, the more infinite the opportunity to develop offenses. The more intimate the relationship, the more infinite the opportunity to develop offenses. Here's some of those great words that you can use. You always. Ever heard that one before? You always. It's one of those extreme statements that you always leave your socks all over the house, Carlos. You never help with the dishes. I just don't think you could change. You're just like... This one usually goes against the the, the ladies, but we're going to put it on Carlos. You're just like your mother or your father. You want to know how to really get to somebody that you think you might love? Just call out some trait in them that's like somebody that they don't like. It'll never end well. And here's what happens before long. Carlos, Carlos has built a fence. He set up all of his defenses so that nothing that Gabby says anymore can get through because he's already got the barricade up. It reminds me of an old preacher joke one time a preacher was asked to use three words in a sentence in order to get into heaven and the words were defeat defense and detail and the preacher began to think about it and all he could come up with was that this was going to be a great three-point sermon that's how preachers think we're like hey all d's that lines up and so he's like i, I just don't know that i can do it and a guy that was right beside him to get into heaven with his broken English said I can do this so he walks up to the gate and he said defeat of the fox jumped over defense before detail (laughs) yeah I know I thought it was pretty good thank you thank you thank you but in case you're wondering defense is just the other side of offense Defense is just the other side of offense. No one sets out to build a fence in their relationships. That's never the goal that any of us have, is to say, you know what, I'm going to hold on to all of these things and wall myself off, put a wall between me and my significant other, whoever it is that I have this intimate relationship with, whoever it is that's close to me in my world. But you know what? Carlos thinks that he's put up defenses, but look, Gabby can still move around. Carlos didn't trap Gabby with all of the offenses that he's holding on to. Who's trapped?
Gabby, how come we never go to Cheesecake Factory anymore? I'll pick up my socks. You see, when we hang on to our offenses, it causes a separation between us and the other person. Give them a round of applause. Thank you guys so very much. <laughs> Proverbs 19.11 says this. It says, good sense or wisdom makes one slow to anger. And it is to his glory to overlook an offense. Why? Why is it to his glory or to your glory to overlook another's word and to forgive an offense? Because the longer that we hold on to our anger, whether it was righteous or otherwise, the longer that we hold on to it, the more opportunity, the more that it festers within us, and the more likely it is to lead us into sin. But Paul says, it's okay to get angry, just don't sin. In other words, it's okay to get mad, but you got to deal with it. you got to deal with it. Here's what I would say, the first key. The first key that Paul says in order for us to be relatable with others is this, that we have to learn to fight fair. Let me say it a different way. It's a little bit more memorable. You have the right to fight, but you must fight right. You have the right to fight, but you must fight right. So how do I do that? How do I do that in a relationship? How do I be angry and don't sin? I want to give us three things to help us fight right. Here's number one. Pursue the deeper problem. Pursue the deeper problem. So often when we fight, we try to resolve. Now, I love that word resolve because resolve means that we try to solve again, right? And insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, right? And so we try to solve again what it is that we messed up with or we missed the very first time. So when we try to resolve whatever it is, we're trying to solve the problem that was there before. Now the problem is, is that we all start with whatever the surface problem is. She's mad about me not doing the dishes. So here's what I'll go do. I'll go do the dishes. But that misses what caused the hurt. Not doing dishes, although it can be stinky, is not what hurts her or him. There's something much deeper that's going on there, and so just addressing the dishes doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't get after whatever it is that is deeper that caused the hurt. That's just the symptom. It's the symptom. More, more than likely, the hurt came because she saw the dishes stacked up and thought, you know what? He doesn't love me enough in order to take care of things around the house. 
He doesn't care. He thinks I'm just here to just serve him with everything. And that hurts. The dishes were just a symptom. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. It says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. No root of bitterness. Now, in my text, those are in quotation marks. And I love that because, well, actually, I hate that. I, I don't know about you guys, but this year, the weeds in my yard have been absolutely atrocious. How about you? Yeah. And I could have gone out to those weeds and taken a weed whacker and just mowed them all down. But a week later, those weeds would all be back. Because it didn't take care of the problem. It didn't get down to the root of the issue. In order to take care of those weeds, you've got to pull them out by the roots. And Paul is telling us the same thing. He says, look, if you just chop it down, if you just address what you can see above the surface, he said, you're going to continue to have the same conflict and hurt and offenses over and over and over again. You've got to get to the deeper problem. Here's the second tip, the second thing that will help us out. Pursue the pause. Pursue the pause. Now, Paul gives us a principle in this passage that I think that I don't think, I know that I have often missed this principle and I have taken it out of context completely in my own life. He says, don't let the sun go down before dealing with your anger. Now, I've often heard it said, in fact, I've even said these words myself, that what that means in my marriage is, is that if we're in the middle of a fight, we just don't go to bed until this whole thing is resolved. But that's a really bad interpretation and probably an even worse application of this verse. I think it's the right heart, just the, the wrong use of it. You see, Paul wants us to deal with the anger. And he says, look, I want you to deal with it. But he doesn't say, I need you to deal with it immediately. He could have written that. He could have said, the moment that anger shows up in your life, you need to immediately take care of this thing, and you need to do it right this second. But that's not what he said to the Greeks, to those that were there in Ephesus. He said, you need to deal with it. But I'm going to give you a little bit of time frame to be able to deal with this. You see, what happens is, is most of us, when we're triggered and we're mad, right? If we don't take a moment to just pause, collect ourselves, and sometimes that takes more than two seconds. Sometimes, it may, I think sometimes in my house, we just need to have the little bell on the side that we can just ring so we both go back to our corners and start over again, right? I think the principle that's here is, is Paul saying, don't let this thing fester for forever. There is a time you need to get this taken care of, but it's not 
right this second. Pursue some pause. Pursue some time so that you can deal with this. In fact, Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools give full vent to their rage. But the wise, the wise bring calm in the end. It's important that we deal with our anger and that we deal with it properly, but it is rarely in the best interest of any relationship for us to just full out tilt in the moment of our anger. Here's the final thing that I think we can take to help us fight right. Not only can we um, pursue the deeper problem, not only should we pursue the pause, take a moment to catch our breath and then come back. Don't delay it. Don't put it off for three weeks to come. Listen, guys, if we put it off for three weeks to come, she's going to have a whole arsenal of things against you at that point in time. All right? You definitely want to deal with this quickly, I promise. But not only should we pursue the pause, but the last thing is, is that we need to pursue the person. Pursue the person. I don't know about you, but when I fight, I like to win. Anybody else in the room like that? A couple of amens. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. When I fight, I like to win. And sometimes, in fact, most times, when I fight to win, I don't think about the consequences of what I'm doing in order to win. And while I may very, very often when I fight, what I'm doing is I'm dropping a whole lot more offenses in her world. James says this, chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. He says, know this, my beloved brothers. He said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then check out what he says in verse 21. He says, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You know, the word here that's in this verse could actually be translated understand. He says, be quick to understand and slow to speak. I don't know about you, but oftentimes when I'm fighting, I'm listening for what it is that I'm about to defend. Or where it is that I'm about to attack, poking holes in whatever her argument is, and I'm not listening in order to understand her or her position or where it is that she's coming from. And so the question as we pursue the person really is not, am I listening? It's, am I listening to defend or am I listening to understand? You know, I've come to believe that every relationship, any close relationship, should actually be drawing us nearer to Christ, not pushing us further away. In fact, I think every relationship is an opportunity not only to relay God to them and to display Him, but also to rely on God. Some of you are just sitting there and you're thinking about some of the relationships in your life and you're like, 
but you just don't know what that person did to me. Did they kiss you on the cheek? And then turn you over to Roman soldiers to take you off to go be beaten and killed? Jesus had that relationship. He had that relationship of the person who betrayed him like that. Let me take it one step further. Jesus knew that that relationship was going to be like that. Jesus, the God of all knowing and all seeing, knew that his relationship with Judas was going to end in that sort of scenario. In fact, the night before, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, the one who dips this with me is about to betray me. There's no doubt whether or not he knew what was happening. And Jesus still kept that relationship. I don't know why. I don't know why it is that Jesus kept it instead of just throwing that guy to the curb and then it could have all been different. But I do know this. God doesn't want us to build fences. He wants us to build friendships and relationships that last. Here's what it requires. It requires us knowing how to fight right. Yeah, you have the right to fight, but you have to fight right. Let's pray. God, thank you for the just huge truths that you dropped on us today. God, I pray that we would take these things and that we would, in the midst of our fights, that we would think about them. God, that we would think about, you know what, it's probably not about whatever it is that the other person is saying it's about, and I need to, to dig a little bit deeper to find out what's really going on so that I can work on this and I can help this relationship. God, it means that I need to drop the offenses that I have against somebody else, and so I am not imprisoned by my own offenses. God, the enemy, he has, a, he has a tactic, his desire, he desires to destroy us. And God, he uses division to do that, and he wants us to build defenses through offenses. God, I pray pray that we could be transformed by like Jesus and in those moments that we could display the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness even though we might be angry that we would not sin help us in your name